I want to bring in Carrie Lake. This is not just about history. It's not just talking about Nixon and the removal of Nixon and the silent coup. It's not just talking about Trump and the Trump era and the rise of Trump as the populist nationalist anti the administrative state. It's not simply about the festering sore that is the 2020 election. Okay, it is here with us today in the present, because if you look at so many as a below, you know, as above, so below in the grand scale of the presidential theft of 2020, which has had massive implications all around. You then have Arizona, which was the railhead in 2020. And guess what? It lives with us today. I want to bring in Kerry Lake, who is let me be blunt. When you look at the analysis, you look at the data, you look at this lawsuit is the governor-elect of Arizona. She, There's just no doubt she won this election, okay? And they've circled the wagons to protect Katie Hobbs. And this is going to be a battle royale because if you're, if you're in for a penny, you've got to be in for a pound here in this fight, right? And the fight is in Arizona, and the fight is in Arizona today. Carrie Lake, walk me through the details on your lawsuit, ma'am. Well, 70 page. Thanks for having me on this morning. 70 pages. Uh, our lawsuit. We dropped uh, it. We didn't drop it. We I'm acting like it's an album. We filed it on Friday and it is damning. It is damning to within detail and evidence in how our elections in Maricopa County were run and here in Arizona. And this is about restoring faith in our elections. You talked about COVID. You talked about what's being revealed. It was all there to really destroy a president, bring down President Trump, and lead to uh, the issues that led to the 2020 rigged election. Nothing was done about it. Very little was done to fix any of the problems that we saw in 2020. And now we get 2022, and it's even worse. It's all of the same stuff they pulled in 2020, and then they went above and beyond on that, Steve. We have uh, whistleblowers that we have in our uh, webs or on our uh, um lawsuit, pardon me, that say 300, just about 300,000 illegal votes with no chain of custody were run through the system. We believe more than 130,000 votes uh, are possibly have terrible uh, voter, uh, you know, verification and shouldn't have been counted. We have whistleblowers who were part of that signature verification who said every day they were churning out tens of thousands of of ballots that should not have even been in the system. They had fake or no signatures or scribbles, but they were somehow pushed through by somebody in the verification process. Slow down right there with the 300,000 and 130. You have these, and I realize that you've got a procedures manual that is agreed to that the procedures and processes of these elections have to be gone by a a certain strict sets of procedures and processes that is overseen by both Maricopa County executives and ultimately the secretary of state that yep. is your opponent that did not step down. What you're saying in the processes that she's promulgated under her signature, both for chain of custody and signature verification, you have 300,000 ballots at least on chain of custody that right. are not are not eligible and 130,000 signature verifications that you know from inside people uh, and you've put some examples up there that shows you how ludicrous it is. And this is according to her, the rules that are agreed to that she's supposed to oversee. Am I correct in yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, let, let's face it. Election laws and election rules are not 
they're not uh, optional. They're not like, well, follow these if you want. They're mandatory and they're put there for a reason, especially as all of these states and counties push toward mail-in ballots. Signature verification and chain of custody are our only security to make sure we're having legal votes counted. We believe there were hundreds of thousands of illegal votes counted, and we believe our lawsuit proves it. Not to mention that one of the biggest and greatest experts when it comes to certification of machines and uh, that type of, of, of background says that the only way for this to have happened was through intentional wrongdoing. They did not certify the machines that were used on election day. And we had printers that were going down in almost 60% of election day voting centers. We had uh, equipment that was malfunctioning. Now put it into scale here, 75% of the people voting on election day were voting for me. And if you have 60% of the locations where the equipment's not working, that's a big problem. So what they did is in areas where the Democrats were voting, mail-in ballots, they loosened all of the procedures designed to make sure that was secure, to make sure every vote got through, even the illegal ones. And when it came to election day where our people were voting, they made it almost impossible. And for in some cases, they did make it impossible for people to vote. By statute in the state of Arizona, chain of custody, signature verification, in the certification of machines, they're not optional, correct, ma'am? They're not optional. And they pulled a lot of this in 2020, leading to A.G. Brnovich uh, writing a pretty scathing report, uh, it, talking and, and mentioning how important signature verification is. It, it really is the last line of defense to make sure that these ballots are legal. And we saw the movie 2000 Mules. We saw how many ballots were thrown into those drop boxes. We need to make sure the ballots that are being counted are legal. I would assume that every voter wants that. Nobody wants to have a ballot counted that is a fake ballot, not really tied to a voter, a legal voter. Just once again, I want to make sure everybody understands this. And this is why we had a homework assignment over the weekend for the War Room audience, the War Room posse to, to read this. It's, it's shocking in its revelations. What is shocking is, is that they just determined they're going to call audibles. Like you go up the line of scrimmage, you see another defense, you're going to call an audible. According to Arizona law, ma'am, election law, they don't have the ability to call audibles. Is that correct? This is all by statute <laughs> right. and by the process and procedures, correct? That's, that's correct. You go by the manual, you go by the law. And, you know, I forgot to mention the, uh, these 25,000 additional votes and ballots, I should call them, ballots that were just found after election day, 25,000 injected into the system. Where did they come from? There's no chain of custody on those. And this is all revealed in our lawsuit. There's so many, this is why it's a 70 page lawsuit. We have more than 270 exhibits that we have put down uh, in this lawsuit that we attached to the lawsuit and brought down to the court. And they will be looking through this. These are declarations that people uh, signed under the threat of perjury and they're willing to put everything on the line to say this is what was going on. Our whistleblower from Runbeck said they were able to yep. have uh, families just drop off. Family members could drop off their ballots. That's not an official site. That's not an official site for dropping off ballots. There's no chain if, of custody. If, if Katie Hobbs knew she had the receipts to basically legitimize herself, because, you know, 72 percent of the people think that something went on here untoward. 
if she had the receipts to show that she was legitimate, she would come forth and, and answer all this. All they're doing is obfuscating. The reason is they ain't got the receipts. Right. They understand that this election was stolen. Let me underline that five times. Stolen. She is illegitimate as Joe Biden. I want to bring in Boris Epstein. Boris, the um, the sea change here in the last 72 hours. Here's the reason. You know, uh, Elon Musk has gone full war room. He's saying, hey, we need more signal, less noise over at Twitter and from the mainstream media. He's uh, talking about uh, prosecute uh, Fauci. And most importantly, he admitted he bought a crime scene. He says, oh, you know, this is both a social media platform and a crime scene. The crime is not the uh, merely the Twitter executives don't. That's chasing rabbits. Yes, they're they're complicit in this. But like Jack Basobic said, this is an intelligence operation. This is a absolute coup against Donald Trump from his own administration, his FBI director, Ray, his attorney general, Barr, his head of DHS, uh, his head of uh, CISA or CISA, uh, DNI, I think is in there. You've got uh, DOD Esper, you got Milley, you got all of it. Uh, and it's all going to come out. Uh, and, and Morning Joe can laugh about it. And, and by the way, people can walk and chew gum at the same time. That's where we're fighting this omnibus bill the debt ceiling, all the stuff of the administrative state, all the funding they need from the Federal Reserve. So it's pitched battle in Washington, D.C. Boris Epstein, uh, your assessment of all this, sir. Steve, good morning. Great to be with you. Honored to be with you and the posse this morning. What, what you're hearing there from Morning Mika and all those deranged members of the establishment is nerves. They're worried because they know that they have been exposed. They know that what has been now shown to the world is that there's absolutely zero doubt that deep state Democrats and big big tech colluded to deplatform, censor, and injure President Donald J. Trump. It was absolutely a part of a coup, coup that has actually that started before the election with the Russia hoax, continued through the election with the Russia hoax and two impeachments, and, and, and now is continuing as a preemptive coup with these absolutely fake, false, and witch hunt weaponization of law enforcement against President Trump. So all this ties, ties together in a collusion conspiracy against President Trump and against MAGA. And you're totally right. If I had to point to one most important statement from Elon Musk over the last you know, several weeks, it is saying that Twitter is a crime scene. And what is the crime? The crime is the stealing of the 2020 election from President Donald J. Trump. That is what the crime is. Stealing that election from President Trump, stealing it from MAGA, and stealing it from the American public. And you better believe that the chickens are coming home to roost. Musk also calling out Perkins Coie for rigging the election. Rigging and stealing of the 20. 20- 20 election. That is what was undertaken. That is what was attempted. And that is what they did. And you've got all the elements of a crime dead to rights. And by the way, this is very important. Those are good. People are going to say, well, this is just Twitter. It's a private company. Sure. But once that private company starts coordinating and colluding with government entities, FBI, DHS, DNI, 
that is government action, and you've got full-on First Amendment violations that Twitter, in collusion with the deep state, committed. Uh, no, I, I mean it's pretty shocking. And you look at uh, you know you look at and all look all roads lead back to the CCP. I've got Dr. Thayer in studio. Monica Crowley's on deck to talk about all that because whether it's the Wuhan lab, whether it's Fauci. Um, whether it's the Great Barrington Declaration. I mean, he's one after the other. But the heart of this is, and I want to make sure everybody understands this, it's not just Twitter and his executives. That is not a misdirection play, but that is the noise, not the signal. The signal here is the fact of the FBI and DOJ's direct involvement and really using Twitter as a, as a, as a platform uh, for an intelligence operation. Am I correct in that, sir? No doubt about it. Absolutely. Twitter was just a tool in the hands of the deep state in, in attacking President Trump and doing all they can to prevent President Trump from being reelected. And now we have seen inside the belly of the beast. We've seen inside the belly of the beast, the, the revelations of the weekly meetings, the messaging on, oh, man, this, this post needs to be throttled down. This post cannot be allowed to be throttled up. That kind of censorship. That kind of collusion has only been seen historically, and this was obviously before big tech, but the cooperation between government, weaponized law enforcement, and enterprise has only been seen in tyrannical countries. And Steve, you're right. That's what what happens in the CCP. Companies that appear to be to the outside world, they be free and, and actual businesses, are just arms of their deep state. And now you've got liberals who have been ingrained, woke liberals ingrained, as and people should know this, right? There's political appointees and then there's career appointees. And career appointees in the government make up a huge majority of the staff. And those woke liberal members of the career, career appointees have been colluding with Twitter and others. And it's not just Twitter. We know it's other Facebook, Meta, others as well, colluding against MAGA, against President Trump, and did all they can to rig and steal the 2020 presidential election. And again, look at the facts. There's no way There's no way that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. There's no Impossible. way that the numbers Possible. out of Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada are real. Possible. And yeah. anybody who called them out for it was punished by this collusion between deep state government, weaponized law enforcement, Democrats, and big tech. <laughs> Um, talk to us about this kind of surprise, at least it caught the mainstream media by surprise, development by this federal judge on the contempt uh, issue on Friday. <coughs> so, you know, that whole development, the whole proceeding is, uh, is under seal, so I've got to be, I've got to be careful. But if you look at the public reporting, you will see that the mainstream media is screaming and crying because they were expecting a ruling against President Trump and his team. And what they, what they received, again, according to public reports, is the absolute opposite. And what this tells you is that this weaponization is overreaching by law enforcement, by the highest level of law enforcement, by the highest level of the Department of Justice, in quotes, and of course, by the pathetic, hopeless Biden administration. That overreaching is, is running into a brick wall. And even liberals, even, the, even liberal appointed judges and justices are saying, this is too much. We have to stand up for our country. So and you know, there were days and days and days of leaking before Friday, and the Washington Post was acting as the spokesperson for the DOJ and the weaponized law enforcement. And then you haven't heard much yep. from them after because 
they did not get the result that they pushed so hard for, again, according to public reports. Uh, Boris, uh, how do people follow you uh, now more than ever on your social media? What are your coordinates? Well, Steve, President Trump and his team, we're going to continue to fight against weaponization. We're going to continue to fight against collusion between Democrats, deep state establishment, and big tech. And we're going to stand for America and bring our country back to greatness. That's what it's all about. That's why President Trump is running for the Oval Office again. My information, BorisCP.com is the, the website, hot on BorisCP.com, hot on Getter at BorisCP, hot on Twitter at BorisCP, hot on True Social at Boris, and the hottest on the gram, Boris underscore Epstein. Stay strong. God bless all offense, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. The great Charlie Kirk. By the way, uh, this coming weekend, we start the uh, – go to tpusa.com slash war room. We've got this amazing event uh, in the Metro Phoenix area. Everybody's going to – Tucker's going to be there. Candace is going to be there. Gutfeld, Laura Ingram, Senator Josh Hawley. Uh, I think MTJ – just a, an incredible array of workshops, speakers – um, we're going to be doing the shows live. You get to see us. We want everybody to show up in the war room posse from New Mexico, Utah, obviously Arizona, California, even come from Texas or all over, wherever you want to come from. The Hawaii posse show up. We're going to be doing breakouts. We're going to meet and greet everybody. So we're really excited. Charlie, um, I, I had a chance to visit with you a little bit over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm bouncing off because the story that's coming out, when 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 he says he bought a crime scene, he admits now he bought a crime scene. Um, it, it's it's and and we're not even into the Merrick Garland. And we you got to get in all that. The stuff that's most outrageous is what happened during Trump's administration. And the story here is not the Twitter executives. That's just they're they're tools, right? The story here is uh, President Trump's FBI director, President Trump's Attorney General, President Trump's DNI, DHS, CISA. Um, I can go on. I'll throw in DOD and his uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Well, it's, it's pretty extraordinary, is it not, sir? Yeah, it is. You know, because I have all this free time, I was rereading the Divine Comedy this weekend. And I was reminded that in the ninth circle of hell, right outside of where Satan is, and according to Dante, who it might be one of the great works in the history of Western civilization, the worst of all sins was treachery and betrayal. Uh, that Satan himself in the three mouths that he would be consuming was consuming Brutus, Cassius, and Judas. Of course, Brutus and Cassius being the two people that literally killed Julius Caesar. And I mention this, Steve, because what we are living through, the depths of the evil, of the treachery, of the deceit, of the betrayal, uh, this regime was born out of what Dante would call the worst thing a human being could do. Uh, and, and as far as the thing that deserved the lowest level of punishment, the lowest level that a human being could sink to. In fact, in the three rings of hell of the ninth layer of hell, the one that was reserved for those that would get the harshest punishment are people that would betray their benefactors or those that they swore oaths of loyalty to. So I just find that to be an interesting aside, Steve, as we put this into context, the people that went out of their way to actively lie to President Trump's face, to take documents off his desk, and then fly all the way across the country from Washington, D.C. to Menlo Park and meet privately with Yoel Roth to plot the suppression of speech and the takedown of an entire campaign and administration. At every single turn, Donald Trump was betrayed in similar fashion that Julius Caesar was, 
and other leaders in, pri in, in many years prior. And so we are looking at an illegitimate regime that was born out of the acts of treachery, deceit, and betrayal. Is that the way, by the way, I might note that Charlie Kirk did not, his, his book is The College Scam. He did not go to college. For everybody out there, you don't need to uh, go to college to be an educated uh, man. Uh, Charlie, um, is this the way the administrative state rolls? Because right now what strikes me, to make a, another analogy about uh, uh, Caesar, because that was the, the end of the Republic, right, in the beginning mm -hmm. of the that's Empire. Right. With Augustus. Yeah, that's well the, said. The, 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 the the empire was always protect the Praetorian Guard, that that group of legionnaires that were the elite that were around the emperor. Eventually, a hundred years later, they got into the situation of picking, either protecting incompetence so they can run things, or promoting uh, their own uh, their own choices. Is that and that's why when we say it's in a Republican administration and Trump's administration, it's really their own. It's really their own deal. It's the administrative state picks and chooses what they're going to do. Is that what you're seeing here? This treachery and betrayal is of an elected populist president? Yeah, that's such a smart point, Steve, because it was more than the assassination of Julius Caesar. It was the transition from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire. And then, of course, then we get Caesar Augustus and Tiberius. And then the problem is you get some virtuous Caesars and then you get Caligula. <laughs> You get Nero and the whole place falls apart. You get a bad, so, you get a, you get a bad run. You get a bad yeah, that's run, right. right? But no, and it's not dissimilar that we actually have an administrative state dictatorship right now. And this is why the populist nationalist movement that we're going to be celebrating and we're going to be talking about this weekend in Phoenix, Arizona at AmFest is such an existential threat to what they wish to do because it's, it's a different type of dictatorship because we've been propagandized to believe that a dictatorship is just a single person calling the shots. What happens if you have an oligarchy where it's five, six hundred people and multiple thousands of little workers like Yoel Roth? And just to kind of focus in on Yoel Roth, he's a degenerate boy king who is behind a computer screen that had more power to censor the speech of millions than anyone could have possibly ever dreamed. No one elected Yoel Roth. He didn't campaign for anything. He didn't collect signatures. He didn't have to participate in debates. No, he wrote a super creepy Ph.D. at University of Pennsylvania he gets put into power at Twitter in, tr in charge of trust and safety. And according to Elon Musk's own description, he was the de facto CEO of the world's public square. And so what we saw with Donald Trump is he was being squeezed by every direction by people that would go. And I mean, Steve, you saw this, but it's even worse than we could have ever imagine because the evidence just keeps pouring out. People that would go in for multiple hours of meetings and they would suck up to him and they would lie to him and they would walk right out that door and stab him in the back. And it was Trump's own government that kicked him off Twitter. I want you to think about that. It was Trump's own government that was meeting actively to shut him up. The people that he empowered, Christopher Wray, to the attorney general, to Department of Justice, to Department of Homeland Security. And whether the top of those agencies knew about it or not, these are questions that the new Republican Congress needs to iron out. But we are really on the verge, on the precipice, Steve, if the populist nationalist movement is not successful to say goodbye to the American Republic and go into an administrative state dictatorship where that middle swath of government runs everything. Well, you, you got to ask yourself, are we already there? I mean, the way that they change out and, and this is the whole thing. There's no chance the guy got 81 million votes. That's just in your face. Ridiculous. But let me go back to, you know, the conference this weekend and what happens. The conference is the 17th to the 20th in Phoenix. 
Then we have Christmas, New Year's, and boom, we're right back on the third. You've got both the ability to defund organizations and you've got investigations. We already know from Comer, he's ready to go with subpoenas already. New York Posters reporting over the weekend. They're ready to go on January 3rd. Where do we go from here? And how's the conference going to kind of tie this together? Because if we don't if we don't stand and deliver in the first 100 days of this new Congress, you could, I believe, see the end of the American Republic. That's correct. And I know there's a lot. And here's the one thing we're going to be very careful of at the event, which is we are not going to engage in cynicism or despair. We are still America. The, the fight in the American people is remarkable. The resolve, the endurance, the grit, the perseverance. I think we have only begun to fight, as it says right behind you, Steve, beautifully. I, I believe that at our core, especially with our nation's young people. We have so much to celebrate. Ana Paulina Luna is going to Congress. We have young fighters going into the legislature. For example, in Arizona, uh, Austin Smith, youngest member of the legislature, a Turning Point alumni, is going in, and he's just going to do such an amazing job. we got J.D. Vance from Ohio. Ron Johnson is going back for another six-year term. So there's a lot to celebrate, but also it's time for action. It's time for real subpoenas, people going to jail, and then we got to rebuild this from the bottom up. Um, and, and, you know, Steve, you and I both share um, in our mass, you know, concern and kind of issue with what happened in Arizona. But, you know, I read through Carrie Lake's lawsuit, a lot of it on air today. Uh, that's a real sharp lawsuit. That's going to be tough for a judge to dismiss uh, just because he's been told to do it by somebody. So I hope that gets a fair hearing. The, the future of America and the hope of America lies within our action and within the resolve and the energy of the American people. The, let's go in, in the Arizona situation, the scale of it, the 300, just throwing out the, the manual about how you're supposed to run elections, Arizona statutes, 300,000, no chain of custody, what, another 125,000, at least now they say they can deliver more. Uh, uh, signature verification that do not match, 25,000 commingling of ballots. I mean, at that scale of it, it was pretty breathtaking. At least I thought it was breathtaking of the scale of not just the incompetence, but the malfeasance, Charlie Kirk. Yeah, that's correct. And what what's amazing, and it's very clear, that there was somebody within the recorder's office that was pushing through ballots that should have had to go to ballot curing. And, Steve, this is one of the reasons, I'll go back to this, why our numbers that we kept on saying on your program were probably yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Is that our data yeah. was actually probably correct because yeah. remember I kept on coming on this program. I said, well, they just found another 35,000 ballots in Pima County. Well, those ballots <laughs> probably should have had to go to hearing. Right. right and right. Or another, which, I get another 11,000 in Maricopa. Yeah. I mean, if which, 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 which they were to go, which they would come at a zero, right? Once you yes, cure them, when right. you got to cure them, they would come up, come in at 35,000, go at zero. Yeah. yeah it, it One would last be, time to call someone in Honduras or something to go cure it. Yeah. Um, Charlie, one, how do people get to the uh, t- to find out about the uh, about the conference? Because I want everybody to be there, particularly all the war room participants. Where do they go? Yeah, it's uh, amfest.com. It's amfest.com. Promo code Arizona for fifty percent off. Uh, Steve, I'm going to be doing your show live from there. We're going to be doing our show. I'm super excited yeah. about it. I'm thankful you're participating in a big way, Steve. We got you in a big We're keynote, jacked. really capping it off. It's going to be terrific. Uh, we want everyone from the war room coming, um, and yep. we have to be active in an active attitude to reject cynicism or despondency. It's very tempting right now to engage in it. Action, positivity, and real results. That's what this weekend will be about. Uh, Charlie, what's your social media? Real quick, how do people follow you? 
Best way, take out your phone and subscribe to our podcast. We deeply appreciate that. Charlie Kirk Show, three podcasts a day. And also follow us on Getter. We appreciate it. Charlie Kirk follows with this um, election, the contested election in Arizona, the 70-page lawsuit that's been filed with all the exhibits. I want to start with Christina Bob. Christina, walk us through. We had Carrie Lake on today. Right. To me, the important thing of this lawsuit is the, is the level of detail of the malfeasance that went on, and, and the scale of it's pretty shocking. Can you walk us through your assessment of this? Yeah, you're exactly right. It's very shocking and appalling. And I'm so grateful for you and others that are willing to cover it because it really needs to be broken down for people to understand. Uh, There's a number of people who have come forward as whistleblowers. They have a whistleblower from Runback, the, the company that actually prints the ballots and says that the chain of custody was broken. We all know that's a really important process to make sure that the integrity of which ballots are counted remains intact and that it was broken. And they cannot account for approximately 300,000 votes that were cast in Arizona. They didn't come in uh, the, the legal way or the normal way that allowed them to keep that chain of custody. For example, they said that people were bringing ballots uh, from family members and just inserting them in, not through drop boxes, not through uh, dropping them at poll centers, the legal way to cast a vote. They were just doing it with uh, the ballot printing company. And then you have um, an expert from the company that actually certifies the machines in Arizona who has been working there for nine years and has been certifying these election machines in Maricopa County for nine years come forward and say that the the malfunctions that we all saw occur on election day that, that stopped about half of the machines from working, which significantly disenfranchised Republican voters who typically turn out three to one on election day, that that error had to be intentional. The way that the machines work and the way they're run, the only way that error could have come is if someone actually went in and intentionally set it to error. And then, of course, you have the Secretary of State herself who's running the election and and is the gubernatorial candidate colluding with Twitter, with the Maricopa County recorder, who's also colluding with Twitter and CISA. I mean, it's just a, a do of very, very bad actions. And then they have the nerve to threaten these counties that say, hey, we think there's problems with this election. We don't know if we can certify it. And they say, if you don't certify this election, we're going to throw you in jail. So they certify under duress. And then the secretary herself crowns herself queen and says, oh, look, I won. That's effectively the election that we have in Arizona. Let's talk also, I think there's a uh, a, a signature verification of what 125,000 yeah. and there's, I think, ballot mingling mingling of ballots of uh of 25,000 is that, walk me through the ballot, the signature verification because you've put forward in the complaint or in the filing um a, a, a sample of the signature mm-hmm. verifications and obviously they're not even close to to right. to being what the original signatures were tell me about that that's exactly right they're they're counting ballots that should not be counted because there's a standard if you're going to have absentee voting You have to verify signatures with the signature that's on record from the Department of Motor Vehicles or however they registered to vote to make sure it's the right person. Of course, absentee ballots make voting more vulnerable because you're not there in person for uh, the clerk or whoever to check your ID to make sure that you actually are who you say you are. And so there's a standard set 
for verifying signatures. You can do it through machine. You can do it through human count. Different states vary on what you know whether you can even use a machine at all. And they lowered the standard so much. I believe it's close to zero, if not zero itself, so that any ballot with any signature gets counted. And so there's no way to verify that these are actually lawful voters. That's 125,000 ballots. And then you include that with the commingling, like you said, of you, you, the chain of custody that's broken and you can't account for where these ballots are coming from. And the, the ballots that were cast that got jammed had to be recast and some were counted multiple times and some weren't counted at all. And they don't know which is which. And so they couldn't rerun the numbers because some of the ballots had already been counted and some hadn't. And they didn't know which ones were which. They were mixed together in the box. And so they they don't know what was, they legitimately do not know which ballots were counted twice and which ones were not counted at all. And the witnesses are saying that that happened to about 25,000 ballots. So we're talking about close to half a million votes here in the state of Arizona that are completely unaccounted for and have no verification for who actually cast those ballots. And the number of votes in Arizona is about two and a half million. So we're talking about 20% of the votes that were cast. Oh, by the way, not to mention the fact that uh, the Maricopa County recorder acknowledged in a public statement shortly after election day, hey, we know everybody was upset about the machines going down on election day, but don't worry, it didn't affect that many votes. It only affected about 17,000 votes, which happens to be the margin of victory for the gubernatorial race which is 17,117. And then the attorney general's race is even closer than that. So they say, oh, sorry, don't worry. It didn't affect that money that many. It was only enough to change the outcome of the election. I, I want to go back to um, the, uh, the the chain of custody, the signature verification, the mixing right. of ballots. You get to the 500,000 number, which, as you point out, is what almost 20%. Th- this is all by statute, and it's by procedure and process as outlined in the manual that you've got to run state elections by, and you don't really have flexibility to kind of make it up as you go along or call audibles or kind of do it. This is the whole reason these things are so uh, closely watched and people are supposed to be trained. Talk to me about that. How, how do they just make up their own rules or don't follow the rules or don't follow the process and procedures, ma'am? That's, that's exactly right. And I would say it's because uh, Republicans have been lax on enforcing it. I mean, Arizona has had a Republican attorney general for years and years. I don't even know how far back it goes, but at least as long as Mark Burnovich has been in office during the 2020 election and the 2022 election and hasn't done anything about it. So if Republicans aren't going to enforce the laws that we have authority to enforce, why should Democrats care about following them? And that seems to be a pattern that we're seeing around the country. We saw the same thing in Wisconsin and Racine, where they completely obliterated you know, rules for nursing home voting. And the Republican district attorney in in Racine was like, oh, well, you know, and refused to prosecute. So I think it comes down to we aren't doing what we need to do to prosecute and hold these people accountable. So they're just cheating. They're just flat out cheating and daring us to do something about it. Well, we need to do something about it. So if you're mad about it, contact your district attorney, contact your attorney general, if you're in Arizona or wherever you are, let them know, hey, we're watching and we want our election laws enforced. I want to go next to uh, this. It's not an act of omission, but commission. Talk to me about the the high level consultant they've got that's done this for years and years and years. His allegation yeah. signed affidavit and he would be a witness would say this just didn't happen by this just didn't happen. This had to be done yeah. on purpose that you couldn't have had this type of 
uh, machine failure across, non-certification across, all that across, unless it was really, it was something that was done on purpose, ma'am. You're exactly right. They had, in the uh, Arizona Attorney General's, Assistant Attorney General, Jennifer Wright, actually kind of alluded to this in the letter that she published shortly after the election. But what the expert is saying is, you know, these machines were all tested the weekend before the election. I believe the day or two before the election started, they all functioned properly. Properly, They all passed their tests. Everything was fine. In order to get the massive number of errors and the type of error that occurred for them to not be able to read the ballot, somebody had to actively go into the machine and change the setting to get them to try to read a different type of ballot so that the ballots that were cast didn't match what the machine was trying to read so that they couldn't go through. And that had to have been done intentionally because the machines had all passed uh, their test, their pre-election day test, and they were working just fine. So the machines worked. It wasn't an issue of the machines all breaking. It was somebody actively going in to make sure that those machines didn't work. As we know, particularly in Arizona, where Carrie Lake had been telling her voters, come out on election day, come out on election day. We don't want them to know how many votes they have to make up. Come out on election day. Everybody knew Republicans were going to come out on election day. And they typically turn out three to one, three Republicans for every Democrat that actually goes to the poll to cast their ballot. And so an easy way for the secretary of state who ran the election and was in charge of those machines was, oh, let's just make sure they all break so people can't cast their vote. I think it's disgusting that you would have a sitting secretary of state intentionally try to disenfranchise at least half, likely way more than half of her voters, just because she wants to be able to claim power for herself. It's disgusting. Uh, uh, Every mainstream, because I went back and looked at them, the mainstream media coverage of this was uh, not one, you know, whether it's associated press. Nobody actually talked about the receipts you guys brought in the evidence. Nobody talked about the chain of custody. Nobody talked about the signature verification. Nobody talked about the amount of ballot uh, mingling. Nobody got yep. to the 500,000 number. Nobody talked about the the uh, consultant uh, who who gave a, a sworn uh, testimony or sworn statement that this had to be on purpose and he could walk through how it happened. W- why is the yep. mainstream media not want to? They just said election denier Carrie Lake, who right. already said beforehand she was going to contest the election, contest the election. Why are they so afraid of addressing any of these details, ma'am? Well, I think it's interesting that just two years ago, those same outlets were saying, oh, this is the most secure election in U.S. history. That's bulletproof. You know, nobody can point to any. There's no evidence of fraud or whatever. And suddenly we go from that to this, where it's completely hijacked very clearly. It is a fraudulent election. You have the same people running the same machines with the same ballots, with the same officials in office, and suddenly it's not fair. Like, I think they they have a problem on their hands because they've been spewing these lies for two years now. And the American people now can see clearly we've had two years to prepare for this. And, it, uh, oh, is this suddenly a novel concept that there's a problem with our elections in 22? But don't worry, 2020 was the most secure ever. I don't buy it. I don't think the people of Arizona buy it. I don't think most Americans buy it. So they have to try to figure out how to cover the story without outing the fact that they've been lying to everybody in the nation for two years. No, you you can tell uh, this is why they know the polling is against them on this, so they don't want to talk any of the details because yeah. they know their back's up against the wall. Walk me through the process. I think there's a preliminary hearing tomorrow, I think, telephonically right. or by Zoom. Uh, is it scheduling? Walk, walk us through this process. Filed on Friday in Maricopa County. You have a judge. 
I think you actually have the first kickoff uh, tomorrow, though I'm not sure it's arguing evidence, et cetera. What's the process Correct. right now? You're exactly right. So there's a telephonic hearing tomorrow, uh, 1.30 Arizona time, I believe. Uh, they don't say what it's for, but presumably it's to schedule trial. So under the statute, the election contest statute that Carrie Lake filed her uh, complaint, the trial needs to be set within 10 days of filing. So I would expect the trial date to be set sometime early to mid next week. And the defendants have five days from the date of service, which I believe is today, uh, to file their response. So we should see that coming up. So I expect to have a trial date set tomorrow and Carrie Lake's uh, trial team, I think they're going to be geared up and ready to go. So people, so tomorrow, basically at one o'clock uh, Arizona time, you think they'll, uh, after the end of that hearing, they'll set a trial date for this? That's my expectation, yes. Christina, how do people, you've got the new book out, or it's going to come out in late yes. January, you can pre-order now for Christmas, give it as a gift, uh, stealing your vote. How do people uh, How do people get to your book, how do they follow you on social media? What are your coordinates? Thank you very much. It's available for pre-order on Amazon, and then on social media, Christina Bob on uh Twitter and Instagram, Christina underscore Bob. Christina Bob, uh, thank you very much. And thank you for uh, doing such great work on this. Thank you very much.